This is David, Pastor Merritt's son-in-law. Today I'll be presenting Pastor Merritt's study of David. This is part two. First John reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So at this time, feel free to exercise First John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. David, Part 2, The Shepherd's Psalm Psalms 23, 1-6 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Part 2 His outrage, faith, rest, application, and opposition from his brothers are described in 1 Samuel 17.21-30. through 30. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, stepped out from his line and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you lead those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what I have done, said David, can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. Point three. David slays what he rightfully considers an infidel unbeliever and receives from Saul the earlier promised reward for the man who slays the giant. 1 Samuel 17, 25-27 Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Point four. The victory of David over Goliath brought him more permanently into the court of Saul, for he had been promised the hand of the king's daughter. Point five. There he became the husband of Michael, 
and he also developed a strong bond with Prince Jonathan, son of Saul. 6. The story of their friendship and loyalty to each other represents a masterpiece of biblical literature. Number 7. The bond which united Jonathan to David was neither mere admiration for his heroic courage and extraordinary skill in using the sling, nor mere sympathy with him in his fervent love of country and common hatred of the uncircumcised Philistines, but was mainly their common love for the Lord, God of Israel. 8. The unity of spirit won Jonathan over to David. The two made a covenant of friendship and exchanged gifts in token of that friendship. 1 Samuel 18.1 After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. 1 Samuel 2, 3, and 4 From that day Saul kept David with him, and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Point 9 David served Saul displaying... Great loyalty and expertise, especially in the field of military science, slaughtering great numbers of Gentile enemies. 1 Samuel 18, 5-7 Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Point 10. Saul was unable to enjoy his subordinate's loyalty and success as he was totally under the control of his old sin nature and more. 1 Samuel 18, 8 and 9. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Point 11. Saul soon was overtaken by psychotic arrogance and, under the permissive will of God, he is led to attempt the murder of David. 1 Samuel 18.10-12 through 12. The next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, and as he usually did, Saul had a spear in his hand. And he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. Point 12. Saul hoped David would be killed in battle, but the Lord was with David, and his military success continued in spades. 1 Samuel 18, 13-15 So he sent David away from him, and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did he had great success, because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. Fugitive from King Saul 1. David performed his task so well that his fame spread through all the land. He became the favorite son of the common people and of the court.
1 Samuel 18.5 Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. Point two. Hymns were composed of by the singing women lauding the exploits beyond those of the king himself. This caused a breach to develop between Saul and David. Point three. Saul attempted on several occasions to assassinate him. 1 Samuel 18.11 and 19.10 Encouraged his court to put him out of the way, sent him on dangerous missions, and even proposed a seemingly impossible feat with the pretext that he should go so to distinguish himself in fulfilling it that he could become an even more worthy son-in-law to the king. And that was 1 Samuel 18 and 20 to 29 discuss that. 1 Samuel 18, 11 through 21. And he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. 1 Samuel 18, 22-29 Then Saul ordered his attendants, Speak to David privately and say, Look, the king is pleased with you, and his attendants, all like you, now become his son-in-law. They repeated these words to David, but David said, do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, The king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. He brought their foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter Michael in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained the enemy the rest of his days. 1 Samuel 19.10 Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night David made good his escape. Point 4 No plan of Saul nor any member of his court was able to eliminate David, for the Lord was with him. Saul's fear of David was legitimate, for he knew quite clearly that David, rather than Jonathan, would exceed him in the kingship. 5.1 Jonathan knew the reality of his father's fears, but he was of a gracious spirit and saw in David the better man to succeed to the throne of Israel in those troubled days. 5.2 It is also likely Jonathan knew that Samuel had anointed David, and therefore Jonathan, as a positive believer full of doctrine, was willing to accept the leadership of God. 5.3 Jonathan tried several times to heal the rift between Saul and David, but failed, and David finally had to flee for his life. His wife Michael helped him to escape the net of King Saul by a ruse. 
5.4. She placed a teraphim, household god, in David's bed, enlarged the torso of the dummy with a goat hair quilt, and covered it with a garment. 5.4.1. This episode gives indication that the palace was a place of idol worship, as well as a place of residence for the de facto king of Israel. 5.5. Then she reported to the men whom Saul had sent to arrest David that he was ill. Saul ordered his men to bring David in his bed to the court, and the ruse was revealed. 5.6. Saul's inquiry of Michael was met with carefully worded untruths. 1 Samuel 19.11-17 discusses that. Even Saul's family seemed to turn from him in favor of the youthful David. 1 Samuel 19.11-17 Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, If you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window and he fled and escaped. Then Michael took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michael said, He is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, Bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Michael, Why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped? Michael told him, He said to me, Let me get away. Why should I kill you? 5.7 David fled first to Samuel at Ramah. 5.71 Undoubtedly, he sought the influence and protection that the great religious leader could provide. 5.8 He also needed to be reassured that God had a future for him in the scheme of national affairs as either king or prophet. 5.8.1 Samuel no doubt assured David. 1 Samuel 19.18 When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. 5.9. Saul's repeated attempts to capture David and Ramah met with signal failure as the Lord continued to protect both David and Samuel. 1 Samuel 19.18-24 When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Naoth at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left Ramah and went to the great cistern at Saku, a town in Benjamin near Ramah. And he asked, Where are Samuel and David? Over in Nyath at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Nyath at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Nyath. He stripped off his robe and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. This is why people say, Is Saul also among the prophets? 5.9.1 
David's next stop was the sanctuary in Nob to secure weapons and food for a flight to Philistine Goth. 5.9.2 His method of securing aid had been seriously questioned by those who overlooked the military exigencies of stealth. 5.9.3 Many fundamentalists are upset. 1 Samuel 21.1-7 David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever I set out. The men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. 5.9.4 The hospitality of the priests at Nob cost them their lives. 1 Samuel 22.13-17 Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me, as he does today. Amalech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Amalek, you and your father's whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord. Because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priest of the Lord. 1 Samuel 22, 18-20 continues. The king then ordered Doeg, You turn and strike down the priest. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who were the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priest, with its men and women its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys and sheep. But Abathar, the son of Amalek, son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to join David. 5.9.5 Later, when needing counterinsurgency work, David will require falsehoods of many of his subordinates, not the least of whom will be his old friend Hushai, the two high priests, their sons, etc., 
5.9.6. In these cases, a lie is not a lie is not a lie. 2 Samuel 15.32-36 When David arrived at the summit, where people used to worship God, Hushai, and Archite, was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, I was your father's servant in the past, but now I will be your servant. Then you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priests Zadok and Abathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Their two sons, Ahimaaz, son of Sadok, and Jonathan, son of Abathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. 5.12 David made a wise choice in fleeing to the land of the Philistines. He received training in warfare from the very people whom he was to challenge later on for the right to full control of Palestine. 5.12.1 His newly acquired military knowledge would better equip him to fight Israel's most dreaded foe, for he will know their tactics. 1 Samuel 21.10 That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. 1 Samuel 27.5-27.11 through 27, 11. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns, that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag, and it has belonged to the king of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. From ancient time, these peoples have lived in the land extending to Shur and Egypt. Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive, but took sheep and cattle, donkeys and camels, and clothes. Then he turned to Achlish. When Achlish asked, Where did you go raiding today? David would say, Against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of Jerim, or against the Negev of the Kenites. He did not leave a man or woman alive to be brought to Goth, for he thought, They might inform on us and say, This is what David did. And such was the practice as long as he lived in Philistine territory. 5.13 While in flight from King Saul, David collected a motley army. The dispossessed, those in debt, and the discontents gathered around him, and from this strange mixture David formed a hard core of loyal adherents. Many were Gentiles and some were Philistines. With them he began a series of movements in the Jejeb area of Judah. His flight from Saul offered him numerous opportunities to woo the clans of Judah to his cause. 5.13.2 Many were disillusioned in Saul's program and in his tribal preferences, and were slowly but surely becoming backers of David, the champion of Judah's cause. 1 Samuel's 22.1-22.2 David left Goth and escaped to the caves of Abdullam. Where his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress 
or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. 5.13.3 David made many fine gestures for the support of Judah's clans by his gifts and protective policies. 5.13.4 The marriages of Abigail to Adahonan, 1 Samuel 25, strengthened the alliances with powerful clans in the hill country of southern Judah. 5.13.5 Let's first review the marriage to Abigail. 1 Samuel 25, 1-3 Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Maom. A certain man in Maom, who had property there at Carmel, or Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband, a Calabite, was surly and mean in his dealings. 5.13.6 David's warriors provide certain security service for Nabal, however. Nabal refused to pay for these services. 1 Samuel 25.10 and 11 Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shears, and give it to the men coming from who knows where. 5.13.7 In a drunken rage, Nabal curses David and Abigail, makes peace with David in order to save her husband's life. 1 Samuel 25, 35-41 When David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong, and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, Here is your maidservant, ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. 5.13.8 Now let's review the marriage to Ahinoam. She was one of the wives of Saul. She had been captured by Amalekites, rescued by David and taken in marriage. She lived with David in Hebron while he was king of Judah. She was mother of David's eldest son, Ammon, 1 Samuel 25, 43 and 44. David had also married Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they both were his wives. Saul had given his daughter Michael, David's wife, to Patil, son of Laish, 
5.14 David's patience with and respect for King Saul are admirable. He did nothing that would overthrow Saul's kingdom, but merely kept one step ahead of the pursuing king as he prepared and waited for God's timing. 5.15 David was not about to touch what he called the anointed of the Lord. He knew that when God promotes, you are promoted, and it is up to God to demote Saul in God's timing. Examples. 5.15.1 At En Gedi in a cave. 1 Samuel 24.3-7 He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him. For he is the anointed of the Lord. With, this, with these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. 5.15.2 In the camp of Abner, in Saul's tent. 1 Samuel 26, 6 through 10. David then asked Amalek, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother. Who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I will go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul, lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and his soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, The Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. 5.16 God's timing for demotion of Saul came in the battle on Mount Gilboa. 1 Samuel 31.8-10 through 10. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashathors and fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. And that completes part two by Pastor Merritt of David. For anyone listening that has not accepted Christ into their lives, it's as simple as John 3.15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 